What's going on, guys? The 215 Seamer coming back at you with another episode. Uh, I'm Connor Doherty, joined by Matt Kerwin and Dylan Campbell. Boys, how are we doing? Good. Living life. Living life. That's great. How about you, Dylan? Can't complain. You know, it's Friday. Good to have the weekend now. It's it's okay outside, and the Phillies are coming up. Going to have some Phillies baseball. So that's all you can ask for. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, I think the the way that we're going to start this off is uh, by the most recent news coming out of Major League Baseball is that Mets ace and probably the best pitcher in baseball, uh, Jacob DeGrom, is on the shelf yet again, this time with a shoulder injury. He's going to be shut down for four weeks, uh, and then the Mets at will reevaluate him <laughs> afterwards at least four weeks. Uh, so we're probably not going to see him for the first at least month to month and a half of the season, which is great news for the Phils, not so great news for the Mets. Um, but uh, what are your thoughts on that, boys? Um, well, <clears throat> my initial thoughts is uh, typical Queens, typical New York Mets. Yeah, like, what else is there, right? I know. I mean, like you know, every year you got the same guys, their key players getting injured, and it's been like that. It's been this song and dance for the last six years since they last made the playoffs. And you know, as a Phillies fan, brings joy, tears of comical. joy all, all the times, and it's just like it's comical. And you know, I, I know quite a few Mets fans that are just like super faithful and just you know believe in their team, and rightfully so. Every every fan base should. You got to respect, like, always cheering on your team. But I, I just don't respect the Mets organization enough or just the Mets in general. Uh, like, they're, they're just, like, they're always getting the rug pulled out from under them. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and it makes sense uh, just because of, you know, the team is just not consistent. Um, they're players that are, they are all stars. They're consistently injured well, or disappointed. Consistent, consistently injured, yes, but they're not consistently productive. And in a sport that you know has a a very tough media market, a tough you know fan base and following, where playoff appearances really, really matter to that team and to that franchise, no matter what. I mean, we haven't been to the playoffs in over ten years. Hopefully this year that's going to change. I believe in it that. Will I, mean, I, be- I believe every year that like, you know, we're going to see something new, something different, and it's going to trend upwards. But, you know, feel like you've been to the Citizens Bank Park in the last decade. It's not how it was in 2011. Or two- yeah, yeah, you know, it's-, it's it's not the same. And it's because you, it's like you go to Wells Fargo and you're seeing the Sixers packed every night. You know, even the Flyers games, like they're packed because, you know, hockey just like garners not, that type not of so power. much lately, but yeah. But and, and no matter what, the Eagles are Lincoln Financial is always mm-hmm. going to be filled like that's just it, it, it's it's the NBA, the NFL versus the MLB. And it's just it, it, it's it's just that type of dynamic. And, you know, the Phillies like. I like, I, I know you guys went to games back then. Like, you know what it was like to go to Citizens Bank Park. And it was like 47, 48,000 people sold out crowds. Like, it's one of the most unbelievable experiences you could have in Philadelphia. And, you know, we have the tools now. And I don't know. It's just like, 
I keep seeing all these MLB.com articles about the Mets top rotate top five rotation in baseball. I think they were even named number one by MLB.com, which I thought was a little ridiculous, you know, just because you have Scherzer and DeGrom, you have about five or six Cy Youngs among them. Like that's true. That's great. They are great pitchers. They are phenomenal pitchers, but you know, two pitchers can't really do everything for a team, especially when they're hitters who are supposed to, you know, they got a couple guys who are supposed to be hitting like 30, 40, 50 home runs a year who are Mm -hmm. not doing, who didn't do that at all last year. Like their run support was garbage last year. And trust me, as Phillies fans, we know about lack of run support for our pitchers too. You know, we suffered from that as well, but you know, it's, it's, you know, the Mets, the Phillies, a lot of the NL East is just kind of inconsistent at times. And I just think that the news, the news of DeGrom getting injured is very good for the Phillies, the Braves, the Marlins. Yeah. You know, I still think the Mets are going to be a fourth place team, if a fifth place team, depending on how the Nats turn out. But I assume that the Nats are going to be last. But, you know, that's sort of my I, take on, on, on the, the environment around Queens, New York right now. <laughs> I think to your point, it's a, it's a weird kind of environment because one, they operate inside the MLB hype machine and the MLB loves to hype them up. And I remember doing like a you know, study, quote unquote, last year at some time, you know, how many posts does it take for the MLB post like a Phillies highlight in between all of their posts oh my God. and then correlates yeah. like the Mets and the rest of the analysts. It was like every hundred posts, maybe one when Nola strikes out like 10 in a row. And then it's interesting. You're talking about, you need, you know, they have this great rotation, this great rotation, but I think what you said and what you know without you need is run support. And this kind of battle of the, you know, of the spenders and the analyst between us and uh, you know, the Mets in terms of how much can we spend, how flashy can we look in our free agent acquisitions I think we may end up on top because they have those two guys. DeGrom's already hurt, and we are going for pure run support. Now our rotation and our uh, bullpen are very, like, in question. But I think that overarching offense could potentially win you some games. And then I guess last thing I want to say is it's interesting. It almost reminds me of, like, in the NBA, the Kristaps Porzingis trade, where I know Wheeler wasn't traded, but – it seems like the best guy, the most consistent guy to come out of that rotation with DeGrom. Uh, what's his name? You know, I'm blanking. Uh, Thor. Oh, Syndergaard. Syndergaard, thank you. Uh, and him. And it seems like it's Wheeler. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Syndergaard's another one that can't really stay healthy. Uh, he's out west now with the Angels, right? Yeah. He yeah. signed a one-year on, deal. Yeah, he's on a one-year deal. Uh, so that health was obviously an issue. The Angels gave him like a one-year prove that you can stay healthy kind of deal. Um, not sure if there's incentives in there, but it would make a lot of sense if there was. Um, and then, yeah, obviously DeGrom, when he's healthy, is probably the best pitcher in baseball. I think we could all agree with that. Yeah. Um, but Wheeler, I mean, whenever he signed with the Phillies before the 2020 season, like, there were some question marks about him. Could he do it over a full year? Because he was always elite in the second half of the season, mm-hmm. but not so much during the first half. Uh, and he would and get he hurt a lot. Get hurt a lot. He, yeah, he would, yeah. yeah, Wheeler got hurt a lot, like, in the Mets organization, just, like, coming up and yeah, you know, establishing so, himself. 
the bone yeah, thing, so, the leg, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe there's something there uh, with the Mets development uh, pitching wise. Uh, maybe they're not conditioning their pitchers uh, as well as they should be. Um, you know, not to give anything away or help them. Um, uh, you know, I th- I think that what they're doing is great, and they should just keep doing it. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it obviously works too. They're developing like tremendous arms. You have those guys. The talent there is unbelievable. Um, they brought what's his name, Taiwan Walker. Um, they made him look really, really good last year. Yeah, uh, and he was he was always just like a four point five ERA type guy. Yeah, he was He's always either, like a. Yeah. You know, like he wasn't. Nola was last year. That's how Walker's career has always gone. Uh, yeah. Similar to that, um, they brought in Carlos Carrasco on the uh, with Lindor. Uh, I think that was the same yeah. deal. Same yeah, other just... average pitcher, uh, but they made him look pretty pretty decent last year. Pretty respectable. And uh, he was also hurt Stroman. last year too. Yeah, they uh, they lost Stroman, but Stroman. I think he said on Twitter how thankful he was to get out of New York, um, whatever that meant. Which, I'm not sure. Which is, I thought that was strange too, because I think he's from New York too. Like Stroman was, yeah, I think is he from New York. From, yeah. <laughs> like such he, a it, it's, it, I, I thought that was kind of weird that like, I, I remember seeing that tweet because I remember he was so excited. He was like, I'm going home or something like that when he went there and then it just like didn't pan mm-hmm. out well at all. But he ran away. Yeah. I mean, so did Javi Baez. But, like, you know. Facts. Lindor uh, basically made the Mets go trade from Baez. Baez played, like, 40 games, booed the fans off the field, and then left. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was just like, are these divas or are these baseball players? Like, I just don't know. Seriously. Yeah, you never know. And they always have that issue in the Mets. They're always, like, fighting with their fans. And it's a battle you can't win ever. No. But Imagine like, if like Reese Hoskins did that or JT yeah. or yeah. It, oh my god, <laughs> no, that wouldn't go over well. Well, the, the the difference is like I, I don't know. I just think that Phillies players across all sports, I think. Like, remember when Pavlon did it? Sorry, yeah, to well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I mean, didn't, it's uh, just like there there's there are players who just know how to embrace Philly and and love the attitude and thrive in it. You know, and then there's people like Papelbon and, you know, people like Javi Baez in New York, like people who just didn't know how, like, don't understand the psychotic fandom or like the diehard fandom of, of cities, you know, big cities like this, you know, Philadelphia is not necessarily like a small market city by any means. And, you know, it's just like, some players just like don't get that and like when you're when you're like i mean like javi baez played years in chicago like i know the midwest you know you got all your nice people in it's the a midwest. baseball town though it, it, it is a baseball town yeah. they have the neighborhoods literally wrigley built like where the stadium's at you know i just you know maybe it's a little bit different on the south side i don't know but like you know it, it's just like the dynamic that he faced during his entire nurturing of his career in with the Cubs organization how did he not like get booed or faced with like adversity like that like don't get me wrong New York is a tough place <laughs> you know it's it's a it can be a mean place most cities are like that but it's just like you know it, I just I I never understood 
that whole social debacle that Javi Baez and a, a lot of Mets players faced last year, you know, Lindor adjusting to the Mets and everything like that. Like, Do they have better yeah. attendance than us? Because I, I don't want to equate it to Mets fans necessarily caring that. more than us and us just being completely apathetic. But to a degree, it, it's like, you know, you can go to that crunch time situation we had coming up to the trade deadline. It was like, you know, mid-July, early July, a week before. I went to like a game or two. No one's there. But I can't imagine the Mets who are just tanking have many more people or they care enough to really just, you know what I mean, go off at the players and just harangue them constantly. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, Come you on. know, I, I went the to – I actually, actually went to City Field a couple times last season um, to see the Phillies versus the yeah. Mets. Um, and, you know, mo most of the games I went to were all night games. So it was pretty packed. You know, I would say like uh, the stadium was very yeah. packed. Um, but, you know, a lot of the time when I'm watching Phillies games or like I'm keeping track of scores, I'm seeing the day games and the day games are never really that populated. You know, I think that that's like an issue that, you know, baseball has with, with a lot of the games is that the day mm -hmm. games are not you know you can't especially during yeah. the week you can't work get week. a lot of people you know it's just by circumstance that's just how it is and tickets are expensive like yeah. the, like ticket prices have risen you know it's hard i mean you can obviously get the nosebleed section tickets that are like you know 10 bucks 12 bucks 15 bucks but you gotta have the time and that's where like baseball differs from like football and basketball and a lot of other things because those things are all played indoors or like at nights on weekends, you know, more or less. Yeah. The Mets averaged, uh, about 20, 20,674 people, uh, per home game last year. The Phillies were 19,587. No, it's not so, that far off. It's not that yeah, far off. Both yeah. are low. Both are low. Yeah. I mean, the highest is LA Dodgers at 29,894. Are the Rockies up there? They always had decent attendance, I thought, or the middle of the pack. I assume, I assume like, Pittsburgh, yeah, the Rockies are, Rockies are seventh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not surprised. <laughs> they, have a, they have an amazing, San Diego second. Ballpark. Mm -hmm. Top five is LA, San Diego, Atlanta, Chicago, yeah. the Cubs, yeah. uh, and St. Louis. And then, I believe it. There you go. I, I mean, like the, a lot of those cities, though, are like either just so big that they can garner enough traffic, or baseball they don't have oriented. many. Yeah. Like they're baseball oriented, or they don't have many teams, and that's like that's the event of the mm -hmm. night. You know what I mean? Like Denver is one of those cities. Yeah. Like obviously, you got the Broncos, you have the Avalanche, but like you know, during the warm months, Coors Field is the place to be. Like, I, I know that for a fact, Yeah. you know, people, people are going there for a reason. Like it's, it's the aesthetic. It's, it's everything. So. Fun. Yeah. And then uh, the bottom five are Oakland, Baltimore, Toronto, which is kind of surprising. Tampa but and Miami. I think that had to do with COVID though. I, th I feel like yeah, Toronto was, sure. was more COVID. Um, yeah. Baltimore surprised because Camden Yards is a great ballpark, it, but I think, but it because the team also sucks lost so much, so games. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like because they're so bad, it's like 
you know, and Tampa and Oakland, you know, the story, they need new stadiums. They have fan bases that want to be there, but it's just, they need new stadiums. And I don't know if Oakland needs a new stadium. They might just need to relocate. Well, Which sucks, either, but either or. I, I either get what or. you're saying. You know, it, it, it really depends. And, you know, Manfred was saying like the only thing, like if, even if they wanted to expand and add new teams to the league, they wouldn't do it until Tampa and Oakland got new stadiums. As soon as that's done, then they would be able to expand and actually bring in more teams if they wanted to. But I just, the only thing I see changing is maybe relocation or naming of certain teams happening in major league baseball in in the near future. Like I assume, because, you know, Cleveland has already changed their name. Atlanta is probably going to be, I assume Atlanta is going to eventually change. I do not know, but um, it, yeah, it brings the point to also quickly not to generalize, but thinking about Miami and look, the stadium's kind of ridiculous. I get it. I don't know if it's like close to downtown or not, but they're kind <clears> of a, and they've sucked for a long time, but they're kind of a spunky team and they're kind they of made the playoffs and they're young and they made the playoffs. Yeah. And there's a large, you know, like Cuban and Latin American population in Miami. You would think maybe, and look, I don't want to generalize. I don't want to be, you know, offer anything but maybe you could kind of feed into those markets unless unless there's just no market for it people aren't interested in the marlins i don't know i think the i think the marlins are in a unique situation because they have a newer stadium they have a lot of young talent that are coming up they made some even though they didn't spend a lot of money they they did make a couple really good signings this offseason not gonna lie um you know i think that the Marlins have, and being in Miami just has like a lot of potential in general. It's just, you know, Miami's not like, it's like a college town, college sports town, because you have the U there, you know, like that, Mm -hmm. that's like the big, like everyone is like about the U down there, you know? And it's just, you know, you, you obviously have the Dolphins, you have the Marlins, but you know, those are like the main professional teams in that area outside, you know, heat yeah and the heat and the heat and you know it's just like all of them feed into the latin american cuban culture that's down there it's just and baseball is huge in central and south america so you would think that the marlins would have no problem but you know and and they don't they do get a lot of people that go to the games and there's also a lot of people who are retired down there in florida that go to the marlins games like when i see marlins game like the marlins play the phillies in miami i see half the people there are Philly fans. Cause like, you know, yeah, it's just yeah. so many people from Pennsylvania and like the mid Atlantic moved down, the, retired to Florida. And, and that's what they're doing in the retirement. They're enjoying seeing the Phillies or like seeing any, yeah. Like a lot of the teams that come from up North or in the East coast that play in Miami, a lot of those fans show up. It's just, you know, it's kind of like, it's a very like national hub for fans to show up and go to. Um, I think, you know, I've heard, I've heard good things about the stadium. I hear it has great food. It's, it it's a good sweet. stadium. It looks nice. Yeah, it looks so beautiful. like, so like, I, I don't think they're going to be moving anytime soon. I think they are going to keep them there. And the fact that, you know, they're only like, what is it? I think they're coming up on 30 years of being as around. Franchise as a franchise and they've won two world series. Like that's pretty, that's pretty damn good. Not going to lie. 
I mean, you got you got the Mariners who, who have never won a, a World Series yeah. since their inception, and they've been around for 50 years. So it's like 50 or 60 years. So it's like, you know, and, and I don't I don't see the Mariners leaving Seattle anytime soon. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a lot of different dynamics uh, like going it's on. It's interesting, though. You know, like, how do you foster, like you're saying, how do you foster that? not homegrown talent, but homegrown, like, love and cultivation and, and fanhood in a city. It's kind of an interesting thought. Not well, to ramble on that, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, you mean, just, I mean, you know, the Phillies have been around since 1883. Like, yeah. I mean, long, and we've only won two World Series. I mean, the Phillies were just notorious for being bad for, like, the first 70 years of their yeah. existence, you know. So, and, 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 you know, the the other thing was we had two teams in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. We had the athletics and, you know, I'm actually like really excited for opening day because of, you know, the athletics Phillies facing off in like, you know, like the city series is back in a way, you know, we have our like crosstown series and you know, I know everyone's like, like 1950. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, it's, 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 I mean, like we played the A's in like past seasons, but it's just like having opening day versus the athletics in Philadelphia. Cool. Like it's cool. It's like if the 76ers like opening opening game Warriors was against or, the Warriors, like, you yeah. know, it, it, it's, you know, we like, you know, the West Coast took a lot of East Coast teams like the Dodgers, the Warriors and, you know, the A's, you know, it just like so happened to be like that. Um, so I think it's kind of cool that we're getting back to it in a way um but on that note i think we should uh i kind of want to touch on connor's article from today i feel like uh like the lineups that you put in there and just discussing the possibility of uh you know bryson stop being in center field i don't know if i see that but please convince me otherwise yeah so Hear me out. I think, obviously, Bryson Stott's not a center fielder. He's not a primary center fielder. He's not a secondary center fielder. His primary is he position a center is shortstop. Fielder? <laughs> uh, his primary position is shortstop. He'll probably get time at third base. That's where he'll probably start the season, if I had to guess right now. Uh, he'll probably see time at second base if anything happens to Gene. Um but it can't hurt putting him in center field. I'm just thinking outside the box here a little bit. Um, you know who thought outside the box? Gabe oh Kapler. Gabe Kapler, and look where it got him. Yeah, 100-plus <laughs> wins, manager of the year. Well, that's uh, because, you know, he got to implement his uh, his nuts and fruit diet on everyone. Um, <laughs> yeah. Looking ice cream and spitting it. His, his California diet life that he wanted to implement on the Phillies that no one agreed on. It's just like, not every, you know, it, it's kind of like, you know, it, it's just like certain athletes have certain things that work for them and make them great for a long time. Like LeBron James has a terrible, terrible diet, but he's, he's been incredible for like every night. <laughs> He, no, he's been he incredible doesn't. for 20 years. Yeah, he does. LeBron is a terrible he diet. Wine, like every night. Yeah, he has a, he has it's like, got an entire like, like every game. Dude, you, there's he's so not many like interviews. Joel Embiid. Like he's well, Joel not, Embiid like, isn't like crap that. all the also, time. Well, D, DK Metcalf, he has one meal, 
one coffee yeah, and just eat skittles and eat skittles for an entire day and that's dk metcalf like is lebron's diet actually bad i know he spends so much yeah, into like so body. many players actually- yeah so many players have like you know talked about how like his diet is not great it is not healthy it is not by any means like a healthy like i mean it's healthy for him it works for him but it's like it wouldn't work for every single athlete like everyone's body is different obviously but like it's just you know like some of the greatest athletes you've ever heard of have done like ridiculous things like wade boggs like come on like think of that like fried chicken beer like you know like and he was one of the best you know baseball players in his time like you know people can some people are like animals and can do that or like not animals but like you know just like they have the capacity to do that and still perform and i just it's it's fascinating but anyway back to yeah going back to uh start not sure how we got to lebron's diet there um (laughs) But, I mean, giving him a couple of innings in center can't really hurt. Um, he'd be a – I mean, in my opinion, he'd be a better option there than, you know, whoever's after Odubel Herrera. Um, I think right now, since Herrera is not going to be able to start the season, um, it's going to be Moniak and with the Erling. Um, Erling, yeah. Yeah. Who kind, of, who've kind of been slipping the past few games. I mean, like, they, they've had, like, Moniak in the field, yeah. Spring. In the field. Well, no, I mean, yeah, in, in center field. But, like, I mean, you know, like, hitting Veerling has kind of not gone gone down. Like, he's hitting around 200 right now. And Moniak's, like, 270, which is which is fine. You know, it's not bad. Um, yeah, all he has to do three. is hit 240 and play good defense. Yeah, I mean, okay, realistically, yeah. Realistically, um, and, you know. Moniac's been in the minors for five years, you know, was a top prospect for the Phillies. He should have had this fielding thing down a little bit better. I think just five years, five years in the minors. I just feel like with, with some MLD experience, you should have, you should be a more refined fielder, you know, and hitter, but you know, that's just, that's just my take on player development, but obviously, you know, not every player works out the way that they should from the draft like there's busts all the time i'm hoping that moniac actually has sort of turned a new corner and this is actually the start of something great and we're actually going to see him progress in center field i personally don't want to see bryson stott in center field at all i want to keep him in the infield at at all costs whether it's third base shortstop second base i don't care i want him to be there and you know, if he ends up, you know, taking over the leadoff spot for Kyle Schwarber, who should not be, you know, striking out three times. In, yeah, it's a bad look. Like, I, I know he, he did that even in the leadoff spot when he was with, you know, Chicago, Washington and Boston. Like, you know, players have those days where they just like strike out. But like, I don't know, like a leadoff hitter, just he needs to get on base as much as possible, even if you're getting a walk and just like exercising the pitcher and and getting him to like toss as many pitches possible to get him out of there, you know, that needs to happen. Yeah. Um, 
And then again, like, uh, obviously, no one wants him to uh, be in center. But, like, if either one of them, like, let's say Odubel is still on the shelf and we're a month into the season now, Moniac's been sent down. Uh, and then, like, Vierling is, you know, he's not playing great either. They could bring up Alec Bohm, uh, assuming he doesn't make the opening day roster. They could bring him up and then shift Stott from third to center because, I mean, there's no point in bringing Stott or Bohm if you're just going to sit both of them. That kind of kills the point of bringing them up. Um, and my thinking is that because he already plays up the middle, center might not be like a natural fit, but I mean, like at least let's see what he can do out there. He's He's got to be better than whatever the other options are. I don't even – like who would be behind uh, Moniak, Vierling, and Herrera? I keep wanting to say Adam Hazley, but I forgot. It's not that it. anymore. Yeah. yeah, and now that the you know that the White Sox just got Pollock, I'm just like, what was the point of trading for Hazley in the first place? I just, I mean, like they they had like I, I don't know. Yeah, to get, I mean, like now that I mean the Dodgers got Kimbrel, that's great. Kimbrel was kind of just wasting away in the White Sox bullpen, not getting the closing slot. But like, I just I like Kenley Jansen still out there on the uh, market. No, he no, got signed. He uh, Braves by the Braves. Yeah. Oh, that's right, that's right. Right after we that. got Castellanos, I feel like it was kind of <laughs> it was literally signing. like it was like I think within like the, the same you. couple days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I was shocked by that. I didn't. I honestly thought Jansen would have just stayed with the Dodgers. I never saw him going Me to too. another team. I thought that was strange. Um, but you know, free agency, man, it's, it's been crazy this year, more so yeah, than we, any uh, other year. We never talked about, uh, well, we might've, but we never talked about it in depth about Castellanos coming to Philly. We talked about Schwarber, but, uh, not Castellanos. So, uh, initial reactions, love it, hate it. How do we feel? I I'll say, um, I, I, I love it and I'm huge on it. And I thought Castellanos was, I guess, the more prized possession all along, you know, over Schwarber. I worry about Schwarber's ability if he gets cold, like we talked about earlier, from the leadoff spot. And you have someone who's, I don't want to sound like an old crotchety baseball coach, but you have someone who's slow and who tends to strike out at times. And you have like a Reese Hoskins type in the one hole. And we already have a very low OBP in the one and two holes. So I would like to see him slide down. And that's more in the start, maybe taking over at third base, maybe bomb eventually. But I think the addition of Castellanos is just a, a statement and, hey, we're going to break the luxury tax. We're going to get someone who has very, very high-end talent. If he lives up to 85% of that, he's going to be a really good addition. The fielding is not great. The fielding of the team isn't great. But why not go in all in on your strengths and all in on what you can do instead of get somebody who is a little better defensively but not quite as good offensively. And it's like, well, what did we really do here? You know? That's my yeah. Thought. yeah. Um, I think this is, I think the Castellanos and Schwarber thing signing, I just think it is only going to help us not hinder us. And, you know, as you, as you were saying, Dylan, you know, playing off of our strengths, doing what we do best, which is usually hopefully mashing baseballs and scoring runs, um, hitting dingers. That's all I want to see. But like, <laughs> I, I, I want to see more than that. I want to see good pitching and good baseball at this period from this team. <laughs> I want to, I want to see. Well, the yeah, but 
yeah, but you know, uh, in general, I think that the signing was critical for the Phillies. I think going over the luxury tax make uh, you know sends a statement to the rest of the league, sends a statement to the division that you know the Phillies aren't clowning around anymore. Like we are not going to be an 82 and 82 team or whatever, or an 81, 81, whatever it may be. We are going to be a 90 to 95 win team. I'm hoping somewhere in between there and we will win the NL East. That's what I'm hoping this does. I think that, you know, defense is definitely going to play a major role in if we win or lose games at certain points, but I don't think it will be, the thing that kills us i i'm actually more concerned about our starting pitching more than our bullpen right now which is really surprising i know that that sounds really strange (laughs) after the last few seasons but i am concerned about kyle gibson i am concerned about zach wheeler and i am concerned uh basically about our entire starting rotation like whether they're going to hold up you know Zach Wheeler gives me more confidence, even though he's just, you know, slightly hurt. He's still going to eventually, he's going to matriculate into the starting rotation by the start of the season. Um, You know, Ranger Suarez, I love him. I think he's great. I think, I I hope he takes a step in the right direction and he keeps building off of what he did last year. Gibson worries me, his age, his velocity, his endurance, just, I don't know if he's good enough. I wish we could actually make a trade with the athletics and get Sean Manea or Frankie Montes. I would love to do that. Zach Eflin actually gave me confidence in that start. That with start like the was wild good. play yeah. and the wild yeah. play off the glove with Didi and, and Gene and one of the best Reese. plays I've ever seen. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, was great. That was elite. That was like, you know, Zach Eflin gives me confidence, but you know, I just see Zach Eflin going like five and oh, start the year and then like he goes five and five by the by the by the time we get to the MLB draft like that's 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 the stuff that like kills me is that like you know the first month is going to be great like I I have like I I believe the first month will be great and I'm just like god damn it like May or June like I don't know and I know that May or June might not make or break the season because like, I mean, the Phillies had terrible Mays and Junes and they were still playing for that, like vying for that playoff spot, even into September. Like, I don't want that <laughs> to happen. I, I would like to go into the all-star break, the trade deadline with somewhat of a comfortable lead in first or be very close to in second. I don't know. Just like, yeah. I, I, there's, I, I would like more than a buffer because the Phillies only had like a 10 game buffer at one point last season and then just lost it all. It just like, it never reached beyond a certain point and it's just unfortunate. And I hope that the hitting can, you know, outweigh a lot of the bad that w- we might see. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen this season. We don't know how things are going to play out. Things are going to develop and change on their own. And, uh, you know, I'm just hoping that with the new coaches, you know, a better attitude that we have within the entire organization, it's going to be more positive going forward. We'll see. It seems like the Phillies as an organization have turned a new leaf for what they want to do and how they want to progress 
it isn't all signings and it's really nice to see like Bryson Stott develop and come into his own and actually swipe third base from maybe Alec Bohm or something like that. You know, I think that he, he, he is, he is muscling his way in and you can't deny it. Yeah. I, uh, not to cut you off, but I don't think it's, it's a knock on Alec Bohm so much. I think it's more of a, like Bryson Stott's hitting over 500 this spring, which yeah. is like beyond ridiculous. It's like stupid. Um, he's played well defensively. Like I, I said, he could play center. I believe he could play at third as well. Um, I, yeah, I, I really, I'm really high on Bryson Stott. I'm higher than I, uh, than I was earlier on him. Um, I think he'd be a really good player. Um, not so sure how he's going to finish the season, like what his numbers are going to look like. Uh, I would take like a 260 average, but I mean, at this point, he's on pace for like a 600 average. Um, <laughs> yeah, just overall in general, like as a rookie, um, and I guess the same for whoever's in center as well, bat near the bottom of the lineup, unless you move to the leadoff spot, just be a replacement level hitter be an average hitter um and play good defense that's really all the Phillies are asking for because you already have Harper the MVP Hoskins who if he was healthy last year could have hit around 40 homers Schwarber same as Hoskins could have hit close to 40 home runs JT gold glove and all-star last year um gonna hit most likely 25 home runs hopefully be healthy yeah 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 and then uh who else am I forgetting? I know there's five studs. There's a big boy we signed, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that new guy. Who the hit, other who, new guy. Who is yeah. okay. Castellanos, who hit like 30-plus home runs yeah. last year. Decent. So, another $100 million, $100 million yeah. guy. Um, hit, hit 309 and 34 homers and like 100-something RBIs. So, like – and then Didi also looks pretty good. Am I wrong? Yeah, that's huge. That's no, a huge he, he, encouragement. Him healthy, DD healthy is really good. That's why, like, if there was a way to have this lineup where, like, Bohm, Stott, and Hoskins, and DD, exactly what I have. I know. I, I know. Read I, it you, out you, for you in a minute. Read it out. Read it out. Read it again. Read, read it, it out, out. For, for everyone. Read it out for everyone. Leading off is Kyle Schwarber in left field. Okay. Batting second is Gene Segura at second base. Batting third is Bryce Harper in center field. Uh, batting fourth is Castellanos in right. Fifth is JT, obviously behind the plate. Sixth is Reese Hoskins DHing. Seventh is Didi at short. Eighth is Bohm at first base. And ninth is Stott at third. Now the defense is going to be atrocious. Bryce Harper is not a center fielder. Yeah, that's um, true. Alec Bohm can't play anywhere in the field. Uh, He's got the yes. He'll figure it out. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I have faith. Castellanos I mean, and Schwarber, you can really put – I mean, you can put Schwarber in the right if you want to. I have him there just because. Um, so, yeah, you can put – Castellanos has experience too. playing in right, yeah. so – all right, um, yeah, then keep him in right, I guess. Uh, Segura can really play anywhere in the infield except for first base. You probably throw him at third if you really, really needed him to. 
Uh, I'm sure, like JT, we obviously know can give you innings at first. Um, this lineup for me was mostly about maximizing the offense and getting yeah. the worst defender off the field. And to me, the worst defender the Phillies have is Reese Hoskins. That's just yeah. my – that's what I think. Uh, I don't know if you guys agree or disagree with that. Um, but then, in my opinion, the next I think it's it's between is, him and Bohm. Like, you know, yeah, like, that's why honestly, I put Bohm at first. And, yeah, I know. It's like uh, like Bohm's just the younger one, and we can keep him more contained at first base. And, you know, maybe – He's a little bit new. more mobile. Yeah. But would you guys a, agree that – and not to turn anybody <clears throat> off, and I think there's a, a bunch of interesting points you brought up, but just purely for this, Bohm initially in his rookie year to this next year – he had a point in 2021 where his errors just started mounting up. I think it was mental, but in his rookie year, I thought he was surprisingly smooth and like almost all of his, yeah, he wasn't throwing errors. And like, I think he's got decent reflexes. He's got a rocket of an arm and Mm -hmm. he's got to me, I look at him and it's just like, okay, this is a way better athlete and a way better potential defender than Reese. Now potential doesn't obviously equal results. What do you guys think about that? Uh, I, I agree. Potential doesn't uh, uh, indicate results at all, all the time. Like you could win the Cy Young one year and just com- be completely trash after that. Like Jake Arrieta was like, that's just, you know, some players ha- can have that one good year and then it just never go up at, go out, go for them. And I'm just, I don't think Alec Bohm is one of those people. I think Alec Bohm still has a lot of, potential to grow and be the player he's supposed to be as a defender as a hitter too Mm -hmm. you know i mean bohm did hit in 300 obviously shortened season but like like 340 yeah yeah almost he has the potential he has the potential to get close to that to be like a 280 plus hitter consistently a 290 like something like castianos even hitting 310 309 whatever like i can see him doing that he's Castellan, like, like Bohm kind of reminds me of like Castellanos only in a Jason Worth body. Like, I, I don't really know how to like say even taller and lankier and kind of, yeah, like, yeah, it's just like, you know, he has the abilities of Castellanos and, but like, looks like, like has like the body of Jason Worth. And it's just like, I don't know, like I, and you know, even after Jason Worth left the Phillies, like, he still had some like pretty decent seasons and pretty good seasons with the nationals. And I'm just like, I can see the potential like growth of bone. Maybe he, maybe bone should be in the outfield. I don't know. Like you could throw him out there. I mean, like, at least I put an athlete out there. Yeah, Yeah. I know. I know. I'm not, you know, it's it's not that bone's not an athlete. All right. He just, he's not great running. He's not very mobile. I said he was more mobile than Reese Hoskins, but I mean that's not really yeah, saying I mean, much. Hey, hey, they um, tried Reese Hoskins in the outfield <laughs> like the first year. Like that was not I, yeah. They had a. Uh, I might have mentioned it in my. I don't remember if I did or not, but I remember at some point they started. Yeah, they had Justin Bohr, Michael Franco, Hoskins, uh, Justin Carlos Bohr was also Santana, an underrated player for mm-hmm. for for the Marlins for quite a few years. Yeah. Carlos Santana and like Wilson Ramos all in the same lineup who can all play first base. And like, I don't even, 
like I don't there's so many things you can do to be creative I mean JT um, can play first base too like I I I, uh, yeah. I, I mean like listen yeah. if, if the Phillies don't re-sign Reese Hoskins I see JT spending maybe the latter half of his contract playing first base for the Phillies like I could see that or DHing you know it's, like that's something that I've always envisioned as a possibility for the future of JT Real Muto um because we have such good catching prospects coming up. Like you have, I mean, like we have Stubbs right now. I love Garrett Stubbs. I think he's a great backup catcher. He is a heck of a lot better than Andrew Knapp ever was. And, you know, I public enemy number one, (laughs) public enemy number one. Like I I just like never want to see that name on, on on a major league roster for the rest of my life. Um, And, you know, Garrett Stubbs can hit, he can field, he can run, he can play the outfield too. Like that's the other thing. Garrett Stubbs is a very good fielder on maybe we should put both. him in center. He he can. He played center for the Astros. That's gonna be my next article. Played oh, center okay. field. Yeah, he played center field multiple times for the Astros. Was a really good fielder. He he got good hits. He was he was like a clutch player. He is a clutch player. So that's that's athlete. something that I love about Garrett uh, Garrett Stubbs is that he is a clutch hitter and. I've been very high on him for like years, just like following, like, just because like, I've just always wanted a good, like a good catcher since we had like Carlos Ruiz, like for the Phillies. And it's just like, I, I know a lot about the catching prospects in major league baseball. And it's just, he was, I always thought he was super underrated and underutilized within the Astros organization. And then he moved around a bit and then we finally got him. I was very excited about that because I was like, this is, this is the true backup. Like, he could he could start too, and you have Marshawn, you have Ohop, who can come up in the next year or two. Like, like we have the potential to keep growing and stay strong at catching, and also for just a while. for a while and shift some of like the best, arguably the best catcher in baseball, to first base very easily, and it would be seamless if we lost Reese Hoskins because. You know, Reese Hoskins also has health issues. He may or may not hit 25 or 30 home runs in a season, but I know JT Real Muto can do that because that man is literally a workhorse. He is so focused on doing everything right all the time and being the best possible hitter and defender. Like that, like that is why he is here. That is why we kept him. That is why we signed him. He's one of a few players on this starting roster that just does that, that has that mentality, you know, and going on. Perfect back for Philly. Lineup, yeah, very good for Philly. And, you know, Bryce Harper in center field, like going back to that lineup, like my biggest concern is because Bryce Harper has a couple of swings. They're violent swings. He hurts his back sometimes. His back's going to go. Also, his back's going to go. And he is also going to – and he's doing diving plays in right field. I don't like that, but, like – what do you think is going to happen if you put him in center and he gets even more mobile? Like that's, I mean, I know he's an athlete. That's, I know he's an MVP, no. but it, it's, it's frightening if this lineup loses Bryce Harper, like, don't get me wrong. We have the tools the like the people, the players to upset the power of Bryce Harper in Schwarber and Castellanos. Like we, we signed two more to like power bats on both sides of the plate that can help with that but I don't know if that's going to be enough because I'm already worried about the starting pitching I'm 
very confused what's happening with the bullpen, but it will come together. I think that we have a lot of good pieces that have been strong this spring, like Corey Canabel, even though he gave up a home run today, yeah, that's fine. Fantastic so far. He's been great. Spring. I know. Uh, Sir Anthony looks really, really good too. Looks good. good. Brad uh, Hand also looks great. Like Jury Familia, mm-hmm. it's also been great. Like all the signings that they made have been actually panning out. I am actually excited about this bullpen when it comes yeah, to Yeah, now it's like at one and Connor point Brad, yeah. let us down. Connor, yeah, I know. Connor Bragg was not going to make the opening day roster, and I'm going to cry. Yeah, we, okay. we also Probably have like – We have Coonrod. We have Bailey Falter. We, we, we have all these Coonrod, other pitchers yeah. that – I think Coonrod's like, hurt. Yeah, yeah. I think, I'm pretty sure, yeah, Coonrod is hurt. And, you know, Brogdon's velocity is down by like two or three miles per hour. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like – Hopefully it's just like a getting back into – like yeah. getting the innings in and like, I don't know if he'll be ready to go by opening day, but I mean, hopefully if he gets like one or two weeks of minor league games in, then, you know, that velocity is back up because he's an important piece. I um, agree. I think we'll be called up as soon as the velos back up. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're already without Jose Alvarado. Um, yeah. I think he, he's got visa issues, right? Yeah. I mean, like half the league has visa issues. So, can't really I don't think you can really fault him for that um but yeah the the back end of the bullpen right now looks dare I say looks like a strength <laughs> I mean you add, yeah yeah Canable looks tremendous Sir Anthony looks really really good um hasn't pitched in a regular season in a meaningful regular season games in like close to two years now um two or three years maybe um and then yeah you, you said brad hand looks really really good um he does. i haven't seen much of him this spring yet um but yeah the the back end of the bullpen looks like a strength um obviously you have zach wheeler whenever he gets rolling hopefully he doesn't miss i, I think he's time. gonna make i think he's gonna make his first start within like that week um he won't be like the number. Is he going to go full two, though? Is probably. he going to go like yeah? Even with that, is he only going to go like six, or is it going to be on like a ninety pitch pitch count, eighty five, you know, eighty pitch pitch count? Yeah, that's a good question. I I don't even know if it would be that high. I think it would be more of like lower three innings, probably around sixty pitches. Well, Zach Wheeler, we know he can go three or four innings, get sixty pitches in. Yeah. Um, it's not. Hopefully, we thing, see him yeah. throw. Yeah. Hopefully, we see him get some game action in. Uh, this week before opening day because opening day is one week from today correct yes seven days yeah yeah so hopefully he at least gets in a game uh, and they get him up to around maybe what's a good number like 30 or 40 pitches um and then he hopefully he gets like another bullpen in on a side field up to 50 um and then if he still feels good yeah maybe they maybe they uh maybe they Pitch him in the third game, because uh, this is a three-game series against Oakland. Mm-hmm. I think he, I think he might, I think he yeah, might not offense. start until the second series, which I think is either against the Marlins or the Mets. I forget is the next series after the A series. Um, okay, well, yeah. Either way, whoever it is, whether it's Oakland, Miami, or New York, you're not exactly throwing him right into the fire going up against a really, really good offense. Like you're not facing LA, you're not facing yeah. the Yankees. Um, 
So, I mean, maybe I, I still feel like Oakland has the worst offense of those three. Um, yeah. I, don't know, I haven't really followed Miami's offseason much um, other than bringing in Jorge Soler, uh, which I was disappointed about. But I know. Um, yeah. <laughs> I remember. You really Sorry. wanted him for the Phillies. <laughs> it's all right. We'll trade for him. Um, yeah, but I, I think that if you throw him in the third game against Oakland, uh, maybe get like 60 pitches, three or four innings, like that'd be ideal. Uh, get him to 75 the next time out, and then and he might face 90. Cole Irvin. That'd be hilarious. Oh boy, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Who does he even play for now? Yeah, I'm pretty. He's, yeah, he's on. Even oh, though we traded A's? him to the, thought, uh, I'm pretty sure he's still the A's. Cole Irvin. I thought uh, the Orioles picked him. Oh no, that was uh, another former Phillies legend, Tom Eshelman. Don't yeah, know if you guys even no, he's, he's still him. on the Athletics. Um, yeah, he he's still on the Athletics. He's uh, he's probably going to be their third starter, I would assume. Um, yeah, after uh, Montas. After and yeah, Manaya and Montas. Yeah. Manaya. I'm assuming it's going to be – I think Sean Manaya has the first game. Montas has the second. So I'm assuming that's going to be like Nola, Manaya versus – and then it's going to be Gibson versus Montas. Because um, I think Gibson got – it has game two. That would um, make sense. They could even go Eflin if they really wanted to. If they really yeah, they want could. to. I, I, I guess, still honestly, don't it depends know. how they line up the, the rotation for next week. Um I think like I think if Nola be... throws this weekend, I wouldn't expect him to throw again until the opener. Uh, yeah. If Zach Eflin throws before Tuesday, or if Zach Eflin throws Tuesday or after, then I wouldn't expect to see him until maybe the next weekend. Um, the third game. That's I. I think I think it'll be yeah. Nola. Uh, yeah, actually, Eflin. it could be. And he's the limited game. too, Eflin. Like we yeah, have is it still limited? Full, I think like I mean, look, he only threw three innings, and that's spring training. But I don't know if we've heard. Okay, full go, Eflin. We've heard he's yeah. progressing super well. He threw 50 pitches in spring training, which, hey, maybe that means you can throw 75 to 100. It, it probably does, but I don't know if we've heard full go. I think it's – Same with Ranger. Ranger only threw a couple innings today. I mean, he, scary. He, you know, like the thing is, I just like I'm – don't. this is like the most unprepared our starting pitchers have been in a while, I would say. In like, a while. And we have two off days I mean, in April. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like at the same time, I think it's only going to be like the only one or two times through. They're not going to be at full strength because, yeah, like these guys are pros. It's not going to take Zach Wheeler long to build his arm up. It's not going to take uh, Ranger Suarez long to build his arm up because he bounced yeah. between the bullpen and then the rotation last year. We saw him uh, get stretched out. In the major he did, league, he, he, he pitched yeah. every position. Like he, he did closer, he did setup, he did middle relief, he did long relief, he did starting. Like he did every single pitching position you could do last year. The only thing he didn't do, I'm pretty sure, was like, did he hit? I think he hit. He might mm-hmm. have hit. I don't know. No, uh, no, like he probably hit as like a batting. starter, but maybe not as a reliever. Yeah. yeah. Um. But geez. Yeah. But yeah, you have Nola, Nola and Gibson ready to go. Uh, hopefully, Eflin's pretty close by the time the season starts. Uh, I guess that's your one, two, three, and then I guess whoever's more ready uh, between Wheeler, Wheeler and Suarez and is your number Suarez. four, and then actually, it, 
Maybe they do put Wheeler fifths just so they can have him and Nola go back to back. I think I think that might be what happens. I, yeah, I think that it, it Wheeler might make will sense. probably start game two of especially if there's um because uh, like I know there's a day off between the A's series and I think the second series or after the first game there's a day off and then there's the and next two games. So it. yeah, so I think that uh I think that it'll all work itself out if if we go you know five or six and zero in the first week that i mean like then it really works yeah, that'd itself be pretty out. nice that'd be nice well i mean we're not going to get to sweep atlanta in the first series this year that's been a yearly thing though yeah like the last two thing. or three years um i'm glad we're not playing them i'm sick of playing them on opening day I'm yeah it's yeah it's I, really, I, it's like, almost I like I the love... team that's farthest across the country yeah. yeah, I mean, hey, listen, I'm hey. okay with it because it's different. Like, honestly, Oakland it's Athletics different. opening day is different. It's great. Like, I'm not seeing the Marlins. I'm not seeing the Reds. I'm not seeing the Pirates. I'm not seeing, like – I don't want to play the team so, that's just going to, like, romp on us all year long. You know, like, I don't want to like, yeah, get a well, taste I'm tired of that of, initially. Yeah. I'm also just scared because, you know, every time the Phillies play bad teams, they always lose. Yeah. You know, yeah. we'll, like we'll, we'll sweep the Dodgers in a four-game series, but then we'll, we'll lose to the Orioles mm. play three games after that. Like if that if that were the case, you know, it's like it's that type of it's that type of stuff that I'm just like I don't understand. I, I don't get it. But it's like, but then it's like, oh, the Phillies, you you guys show up when you need to, but it's like no, yeah. <laughs> we hold your hand until the very <laughs> end, and then we drop you off the cliff. Tank against the Diamondbacks. <laughs> That's literally. I don't know. The last 10 years have felt like that. Hold your hand, hold your hand to the very end. Last week of September, boom, drop. Like, it's demoralizing, but I'm still here and I'll never lose faith with a pH. So, yeah. Hey, if you didn't love us at our 63 and 99, then don't be with us at our Harper, Hoskins, Castellano, Schwarber, Real Muto, Segura. 95 uh, and 70 something who knows yeah 90 whatever it is but uh you guys have uh anything else you want to talk about or think you I were, think, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Good. yeah i think it's just I'm good i i guess so long pod, but i think it'd be a say, lot yeah. to talk about yeah yeah we went uh two zooms today two yeah. zooms so <laughs> that was a, that was a first but We'll get Enough with saying the word Zoom because uh, no free ads. Uh, no you free guys ads. know that by now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, uh, thanks for everyone listening in. This has been the 215 Seamer Podcast. I'm Matt Kerwin with uh, Dylan Campbell and Connor Doherty. So, been good, boys. All right. It was, uh, it was a pleasure. It was. Peace. Good talking, man. Do it again next week. <laughs>